are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we'll be joined by Doug Nori from Locked On Nets to take a look at Nets Media Day and how confident Nets fans should be in the organization after hearing from Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons after an offseason chock full of drama in Brooklyn. Then we'll be chatting with Nick Angstadt from Locked On Mavs as Christian Wood was surprised about his supposed sixth man role within the Dallas Mavericks organization at Media Day. We'll find out how he reacted to that news, whether that's the right decision by Jason Kidd and the coaching staff to have Christian Wood coming off the bench, plus the lack of a tertiary ball handler in Dallas may or may not be an issue. Lastly, as the host of Locked on Rockets, I'll be discussing Jabari Smith Jr. on fire against the San Antonio Spurs in the Houston Rockets' first preseason game of the year. What stood out? What was the difference between how Jabari Smith Jr. played in Summer League to how he played in his first NBA preseason game? Plus, Tari Eason, the other standout for the Houston Rockets, continuing his impressive play from Summer League, dropping 21-10 and 10 against the San Antonio Spurs. As always, appreciate you for making Lockdown NBA your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs help you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. Joining us now is Doug Nori from Locked On Nets. You can follow on Twitter at Doug Nori. Now, Doug, we just got done with media days all around the NBA, and one of the biggest ones that we we're kind of waiting to see how it all played out, what happened, would be the Brooklyn Nets media day. And, and I think I'm curious to know your thoughts, but I, I walk away after hearing some of what those guys talked about, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, I walk away thinking some cautious optimism, maybe if you're a fan of the Brooklyn Nets, if you're, you know, rooting, pulling for that franchise. But let's start with Kevin Durant, who kind of discussed, you know, a little bit of, of his thought process and what went into the trade request, why he was upset, you know, really highlighted, you know, a lack of accountability, I guess, within the organization. Talked about, you know, the fact that when he went down due to injury, you know, they plummeted in the standings and he thought that that really shouldn't have happened. And I think one of the one of the bigger quotes that kind of made the rounds from Media Day, though, was Katie saying, and I quote, I don't feel like I've got to prove anything to Nets fans after three years. I'm committed to moving forward with this team. If you've got doubts, that's on you. And that seems like that just seems like a very KD quote through and through. But Doug, should Nets fans be more or less confident in in Katie's long term future with this team after after media day? Um, I think they can feel like you said, cautious optimism was a good way to, I think a good phrase. I think that like in general, um, I don't think you were going to hear any apologies from him around, you know, I'm sorry that I requested a trade. I think he stands by why he originally did it. I think, I think there was accountability from some other quotes that he had in this press conference uh, on media day. Um, he said, and I quote, like we, he said, we screwed up. He used a different word than screwed. Um, he used a word that I don't want to throw out here now, but like, um, you know, and that was a we part of it too. It's like he he mentioned the part that you said about how the organization probably wasn't prepared to withstand his injury at the time. Some of that was not totally the organizational's fault, right? Um, but 
in general, I think that he there was some accountability by him. I think he explained sort of his thinking. And then when you say about, you know, how he reacted toward where the Nets fans, you know, should trust him or whatever, I, I that's really never been part of like what motivates him. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Like I because I think what you do know from KD, and he's proven this time and time again, is that when he steps on the court, you do get everything from him. And I think for him to hear questions like that is like, hey, my commitment is 100% all the time. Like it's been some organizational failings or maybe other people that are on the team, you know, not showing up in shape or not playing or, but it's never been me. Like if I've been healthy, max minutes, MVP caliber level play. So I, I can see where he would push back on, should they trust him? Because when he recommits to the team, then he recommits the team. Like what else can you do? You can't prove, disprove a false negative. So um, I walk away from the KD com I, I came away from the KD comments and I guess we'll talk about Kyrie and Simmons too, but I, I came away from the KD comments encouraged by the direction because he was just honest and ready to move on. Yeah, and the uh, the Kyrie comments are exactly where we're going next because I, I thought I thought Kyrie uh, Kyrie came across very like genuine in so many of his responses just very transparent very upfront about all the all the drama that this team faced all the you know uncertainty throughout the offseason and even though he came across as genuine though I do think that there was and maybe you could push back on this if you want I think there was some moments with some lapses in maybe some self-awareness in in what he was discussing because there were points where and I quote, right, Kyrie goes, there was a level of uncertainty in this building, not just for last year, but for the last few years. And that accountability that he asked for, that, that Katie asked for, uh, should be available and accessible at all times. And we should have that type of environment. And that was one of those where, where you're kind of looking at Kyrie and you're like, okay, really? Like, yep. so who's missing out on the accountability? Who wasn't, uh, you know, available? Who was leading to some of the uncertainty? And so I do think Kyrie, you walk away thinking, okay, he was genuine. He he answered the questions, you know, in a good faith effort to shed light on the situation. But there were still some moments where you're like, come on, man, a, a lot of this falls back on you. So this is like this media day from him was this classic Kyrie experience. If you've covered him for the last couple of seasons or really just forever is that in the moment Kyrie actually is usually very honest like he's very honest he will say things that will be self-deprecating in like an honest way if he feels like he's screwed up he's mentioned screwing up multiple times in his career after the fact the problem is it's almost after the fact and there will be other things that get in the way in the moment and this is i i I, in general his comments i thought were again genuine i thought he did address some things that did not put shed him in a good light like for instance when they mentioned the part where he heard about katie getting asking for the trade. He was like, yeah, dude, it was embarrassing because he didn't know. Right. So he was like, I was embarrassed because I didn't know. He mentions something else um, in that, in those comments about whether or not he had suitors for um, to sign another contract. Right. Cause he was on the player option. He ultimately opted in. Uh, and he said there were some, but not many admitting that like, Hey, not a lot of people came calling and he had some repair work to do on his own, um, on his own reputation. Like he was very honest about that stuff. And I honestly, Kyrie is often very honest about this stuff. And he is, he will give kind of different kinds of quotes. The issue with him typically is there is a lack of self-awareness at times. And it just doesn't sometimes take him long to just say something else later that submarines the good thing that he just said. Right. And so with him though, I will say with Katie and Kyrie, both of them, and I, and to some, to some degree too, 
to some degree. When it came to media day, I think you really can't win media day, but you can lose, right? Like you can't, like you're, it's, you're not going to come away a winner, but you can't, you can come away a loser. And the Nets were in prime territory here to come away losers in terms of how the perception of them was going into the season. And they didn't do that, right? I think the, the answers were just honest enough. We're just self-reflective enough. We're just forward thinking enough to come away ultimately positive, even if it wasn't just 100% across the board, great quotes. Yeah, and I, I'm inclined to fully agree with you there, Doug. I, I think that the Nets did as good of a job as one can, you yeah. know, as good of a job as an organization can, given their circumstances all summer. Um, and that brings us to Ben Simmons, who I think maybe the like the you know the the silver lining in all of this is that Ben Simmons seems confident eager ready to play in a good spot mentally like all of the about like all the variables that you have to kind of consider when you're looking at ben simmons and you're kind of like i don't know anxious about whether or not he's actually going to be on the court playing basketball again he seems to be in a really good spot right now he had like i, I would say he had like two media days he had the nets formal media day and then he had the the, the appearance with jj reddick which was an extended interview that he did um a few days before that so i, I, I kind of use those both as one big long ben simmons media day because these are the most he's spoken really publicly since everything happened you know, outside of a few quotes here and there but this is the first time where he really elaborated on his time away from the sixers and the, everything that happened you can't really listen to anything he said and not feel super encouraged about what's going forward. He's a very confident guy, um, probably overly confident, but that's fine. Like you want your athletes to be, you'd rather have them more confidence than less if you're thinking about how the cup is filled. And so I think with him, there was some, again, almost like the KED and Kyrie piece, some self-reflection of this is some things I wish I had done differently. Probably it was happy to just throw the Sixers under the bus with how they treated him um, or how he perceived that they treated him. But when it came to getting ready for basketball, everything along those lines is exactly what you want to hear. And from the very early, just, you know, obviously everything with open gym is going to make everything seem great, but the extension off media day with practices and stuff and how the, how the guys seem to be mixing, you know, they asked him how the basketball looked and he just said, incredible. Right. And I think with him, if you've heard him speak at length, he is a guy that takes what he does very seriously. He's proud of the things that he does really well on the court, of which there are many. There's obviously deficiencies, um, but they're going to be mitigated by playing with this team. And so when you listen to him talk, again, like you said, it was the perfect sort of, I'm confident, I'm healthy, the basketball looks good, I'm here to win. That's, I mean, it's a lot of it's boilerplate, but again, just hearing it makes you sound good. I, I honestly, I, I didn't, I, I expected to get very little out of media day. I came away probably a little more confident than is reasonable just based on quotes, which is a little dangerous. But Simmons was definitely part of that. Oh, and one, one more thing with him, too. I will say with him, of the three guys, he's the one that wants. He, if anyone who's completely had it with the media, it's Simmons. Like he's like wants no part of it, cut off everybody's question. He started answering the questions halfway through the question because he just didn't want to be part of it. I do think there was a little – he seemed the most angry of the three, but it, and it wasn't really anger. just like kind of annoyed by having to answer some of the questions. 
Yeah, media day quotes are kind of the fool's gold of the NBA, right? Where if you start oh. buying in too heavily into those, you could set yourself up for you know some some disappointment in the not so distant future. But I think in this case with the Nets, I think we're gonna again cautious optimism is probably the best word to use here. Last thing for you, Doug, quick hitter: Where are the Nets at health wise regarding some of the other players on the roster? TJ Warren, Joe Harris. What are those guys looking like? Kind of you know as we've navigated you know this you know first week of training camp or so, and, and kind of moving into the preseason. Yeah, so Warren was a bit of a surprise that he's going to be reevaluated in November. He was further away. Um, I think it probably shed some light about how the Nets were able to get him very cheap. That he obviously the medicals weren't 100% clear, so they got him at a at a you know a minimum, and which was like seemed like the upside was going to be amazing based on what he had done. But it's been so long for him now; it's two years away from the game basically, and still not cleared to play. I. I downgraded my expectations on that like pretty significantly because we're just so far away from it. And when you, when, when you just can't get healthy, it, it might not be. So he's on, he's November. I, I, I'm not sure what the contribution is going to be. Uh, Seth Curry is not hundred percent cleared to play yet. Um, he's still recovering from off season surgery. It doesn't sound like his timeline is as bad, but I don't know if he's going to be available for the first game. And then uh, Harris is by the, by all accounts cleared and, and ready to go. Um, I do think they're going to tread lightly with him and they have options. Luckily, like you can see Royce O'Neal in the starting lineup uh, instead. And so I think that with Harris ready to go, I think, I think this first couple preseason games will tell us a lot about what those plans are, but so not a hundred percent healthy, but not completely off the rails in terms of overall health. How heavily should we buy into this Brooklyn Nets team after their, we'll call it a relative win on media day? Uh, what, what is this team going to look like if we actually do get to see the big three playing on the court with one another? Of course, you're going to have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked on Nets. Doug, I appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. All right, thanks for having me. Coming up, Christian Wood is going to be the sixth man for the Dallas Mavericks this season, but that was brand new news to him at Media Day. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at LinkedIn, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified job candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to use to create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs. Then all you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday, as always, we appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, free and available on all podcast platforms. Joining us now is Nick Angstadt from Locked On Mavs and a little bonus Easter egg for any of our YouTube viewers. Nick and I, it's like we always joke that it's like we are the same personality, whatever, and usually we derail a segment pretty quickly when we get together on a podcast. But not only now do we, you know, have the same personality, we look the exact same because I shaved Nick is clean shaven. We're both the haircut and we're both wearing a white shirt and black jacket. It's like the Spider-Man meme, just like 
pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah, what, what's going on? It locked on. No. So who knows? Nick, the Mavs had, we'll call it an eventful media day. Um, and where we have to start with is, is none other than ex-Houston Rocket, Christian mm. Wood, who somehow rolled up into media day, unbeknownst to him, the idea that he was going to be brought off the bench for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, what, at least well, let's just start with what was your reaction to his reaction to the news? Uh, kind of you and right. You and Isaac from La, your co-host at Locked on Mavs. You guys were the ones to deliver the news to him. Am I right? We were. Um, so Christian Wood, like you said, gets up at media day and somebody says, Jason Kidd has said, you're going to be the sixth man. You're going to be coming off the bench. And he goes, I am. And kind of like, laughs and, and you know it's like kind of a smile and he said it's this is news to me basically that, that it was news to him but like 30 minutes before that happened before everybody saw it before the, that clip went went all over the place he was sitting down with us at our station at media day you can find it on lockdown maps youtube channel and isaac looks at him and goes so six man this year you're gonna start the season and he goes i haven't heard that and we just we looked at each other and he had been he had been incredible. The vibes with him were really good throughout the rest of it. It was just this question where he took it and I I don't think that he was I don't think that he was lying. Like I don't think that he had heard this before, at least specifically from Jason Kidd. He had been working out with Sean Sweeney all year throughout the offseason and working with him you know in Dallas and stuff like that and assistant coach for the Mavs. So I think that I, I can't imagine that his role in the team didn't come up at some point, but he was he, he had not known that he was going to be the sixth man, apparently, or that he was going to be coming off the bench. And so now we take this and say, all right, what's he going to do with it? How is he going to react to it? And his answer in both instances to us and to, you know, the, the main media session was I'm motivated either way. And I want to take that at face value. I want to take that at, all right, he's going to be motivated either way. He's going to be, you know, motivated to be the best that he can be, the best fit with Luca, the best fit off the Mavs bench, the best whatever Jason Kidd asked him to be, team defender that they're probably going to ask him to be. And I hope he runs with it because his skill set is really going to add to this team. But it's easy also to take the other path and say, well, isn't this just going to be a problem for him in like two months if he doesn't get into the starting lineup quick enough, if he doesn't like escalate up that ladder and start to become a like have a bigger role for this team? And uh, you could see both ways on this. So we're going to get into whether this is the right decision or not with Christian Wood here in a second. But but is this like what is this is some weird like maybe like head games, mind games thing with Jason Kidd, like as far as just Christian Wood's talent level, the idea, right? The, the moment the trade happened, like I know even Rockets fans on that side were thinking, wow, like, all right, Christian Wood paired with Luka Doncic, right? We got yeah. like a three game sample size of what right. that was going to look like back when Christian Wood played a handful of games with James Harden before he mentally checked out of Houston. And <laughs> on paper, Christian Wood and Luka, they're a match made in heaven. They would be a dynamic pick and roll duo. So this could be a potentially horrendous mistake to bring off the bench. What What is Jason Kidd potentially thinking here in, in wanting to make Christian Wood earn his stripes or kind of like putting him to a mental battle test, whatever, to see if he's, you know, made for it to come off the bench and, and prove himself as a starter. On draft night, when the trade was official, like the Mavericks could finally publicly talk about the Christian Wood trade. Nico Harrison got in front of everybody and it was like two in the morning, Texas time, when they finally finished it and draft and all that stuff. And he gets in front of everybody and he says, 
yeah, you know, the Christian Wood trade's been done, and this is going to be a year where he's got to prove some stuff to us, and we have to prove some stuff to him. He's he's an expiring contract. This is the last year of his, his deal. He's eligible for an extension, you know, at several top, several different points during the season, and they have stuff to prove to each side. And I think the stuff that Christian Wood has to prove to the Mavericks, Jason Kidd is going to use these benchmarks to, like, motivate him. All right, you want to you want to play closing minutes? All right. You have to play team defense. Okay, you want to start? You got to play this way in our offense. You can't be going rogue and doing all the things that you wanted to do in Houston because you thought you were the number one player. You're not that here anymore. You're, you know, probably the second second most talented player, player maybe the second best player, but in the pecking order, the way that we run this offense, it's Luka, it's Dinwiddie, and then it's probably you, right? That, that's how they're going to probably play this. And I think he's using these different, you know, motivations to to like to motivate Christian Wood. Now, is that going to work with a guy like Christian Wood who's been around the league? Again, the same thing I said in, in, for question one. You want to take it at face value that he's ready to win. He's ready to be in a winning situation. He's played for Detroit. He's played for uh, the Rockets for like six games with James Harden where it was good. And then he's played for like, what, 200 games when it wasn't or 150 games when it wasn't good. And so he hasn't played at least a lot for very many good teams. He wants to come in and play in a winning situation. And Jason Kidd and the Mavericks – have this culture that they built that's like a really rich culture that they've built over the last year where he's got to come in and and play his role and be part of the team and can't be just going rogue. The last player to try to do that, that like it, it was Christoph Porzingis. It just didn't work. Like it didn't work for him to try to be something else, to try and post up more, to try and do stuff outside of the offense. It just wasn't working. And they ended up trading him and it ended up being one of the best things for the Mavericks last year because they were able to fully like, lean into their identity as best they could. It'll be really interesting to me, right, having kind of covered Christian Wood for the past couple seasons to see if he has the mental fortitude, right, to respond in a positive way yeah. to this. I will say, right, it's a contract year for Christian Wood, so maybe the response looks good on paper, which at the end of the day, I think that's the Mavericks all, all they care about. But, right, if he responds well because it's a contract year and then, you know, same thing kind of happens next year and maybe he starts to get back into some of the bad tendencies in his game. I don't know. We'll see. It's a very precarious situation if yeah. you will i'm curious to see how he ultimately responds the other thing that i think kind of stood out at media day was it felt like maybe you know the you know mavs brain trust you know nico harrison jason kidd maybe kind of just brushed past the fact that hey they didn't really ever address the fact that there's not a tertiary ball handler on this team like it's basically just all on luca and spencer dinwiddie and i don't know if that's like should exude a lot of confidence rolling into the season with just those two guys as your only like clear cut ball handlers. Well, let's be clear. They did not brush past it because they were not allowed to. Like they got I think that was the most asked question of Media Day is like who's the other ball handler? Are you looking for another ball handler? Who do you think is going to step up on this team besides Luka and Dinwiddie? Who's another guy that and not just can handle the ball because like Frank Nilakina can handle the ball. Tim Hardaway Jr can handle the ball. Even like Dorian Finney-Smith at times last year would bring the ball up. And, you know, maybe kinda, I will say maybe brush past it was the wrong sense. I, I kind of <laughs> meant brushed it aside, like brushed aside the concerns. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, well, about that. So, so like they have guys that can handle the ball. that could bring the ball up. It's create their own shot. And for me, I think that they, they brushed it off in the sense that they said, all right, well, we have these options. We have Frank Nilakina and we have Josh Green, who are these, you know, younger players that we're trying to develop. They have a guy like Jaden Hardy. Nico Harrison told us at, at media day, he said, you know, how quickly can he become viable in the NBA? I think that's a big question. If, if that question gets answered really quickly, then some of this whole this whole problem is gone because 
he's looked pretty decent in training camp and looked decent in some scrimmages and things like that. And so how quickly can he become like a really go-to guy for them? And then maybe he fills that role where, you know, the role that a lot of Mavericks fans thought Dragic could come in and fill, that they thought uh, maybe Mike Conley could come in and fill, or, or some of these guys that have been available over the offseason. And so that's what they're going to go with. They're going to try some of these guys. They're going to try out, you know, Frank Nilakina. They're going to try out Josh Green a little bit. They're going to try Jaden Hardy a little bit. And I think that's okay for the regular season. Even if Luca or Dinwiddie are, are out for a game or something like that, I think the Mavericks will have enough scoring. It's in those tough playoff games. You have to have somebody else. And they only got past the two rounds that they did because they had both Luca Brunson and then Spencer Dinwiddie. Like game seven against the Suns, we kind of looked past, but Dinwiddie had 30 points in that game. He had 36 points in that game where he just went off. And uh, was one of the reasons why they got past some of those games where if your two guys just aren't hitting or if something's not working, then you have a third guy to lean on. And they don't have that answer right now. And I don't think one of the guys on the roster is going to answer that question enough in a playoff setting. But for the regular season, at least until the trade deadline, I think it's fine. And there has been a, a lot of buzz about Jaden Hardy. So, I mean, maybe he maybe he does become that that third guy, at least, you know, as the season progresses. But last thing for you, Nick, I mean, where are the Mavericks at just health-wise, right? Is there, you know, any major injury concerns kind of rolling into preseason or is everybody basically available for the entire preseason slate? Someone asked Jason Kidd this at training camp, the last day of training camp that was actually in the Mavs practice facility. And he, like, thought about it for a second. And it, he lit up and he was like, you know what? We're good. Like we're, we're clean, like a clean bill of health. Like there's nobody that's hurt. Nobody on the Mavericks is dealing with anything or out or anything like that. Everyone's good to go. I love that. Just, you know, Jason Kidd lighting up like a kid on Christmas morning. No, everybody, mm -hmm. no, no injuries to worry about. TJ, THA is back. Like, this is it, great. It was like uh, that John Mulaney joke when he said, when, you know, when you're an adult and someone asks you what you did over the weekend, you're like, you know what I did? I did. I did nothing. I did nothing. And then like we light up because you're like, oh, I had a great, like relaxing weekend. Will Christian Wood accept his role coming off the bench within the Mavericks system? And will he graduate to being a starter at some point this season? Will the Mavericks be able to kind of progress throughout the season with, you know, two ball handlers, maybe a tertiary guy filling in here and there. Will Jaden Hardy become that guy as the season moves along? You'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked on Mavericks. But Nick, I appreciate you stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Anytime, twin. <laughs> Coming up, Jabari Smith Jr. was on fire for the Houston Rockets against the San Antonio Spurs in the first preseason game of the season. What stood out? What were the differences in his play now versus in Summer League? We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting info and odds this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game that you can find. Right now, you can head over to Bet Online to take a look at who the odds on title favorites are this season in the NBA. Right now, the Golden State Warriors leading the pack at plus 575. Boston Celtics in second place at plus 600. Got the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Clippers at plus 750 apiece. So, for all of that and more odds, head over to betonline.net to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, we appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Joining us now as the host of Locked On Rockets, myself, Jackson Gatlin. You can follow on Twitter at JT Gatlin to talk about the Rockets 
pummeling the San Antonio Spurs in preseason final score 134 to 96. We'll talk about the standouts from this game. And, and first on the menu, what stood out about Jabari Smith Jr.'s play on the way to his 21 points on five of eight shooting? Look, the, Jabari Smith Jr., the guy who was you know highly touted as the consensus number one overall pick leading into the NBA draft for a majority of the pre-draft cycle and then at the very last minute falling all the way to pick number three and landing in Houston, there were expectations for him in, in Summer League, right, to maybe kind of go out and prove some of the doubters wrong, prove the Orlando Magic wrong, the OKC Thunder for passing him, all of this stuff. And he stood out defensively, and I think he he showcased that he was going to be a much better defensive prospect than initially thought, but offensively left a little bit to be desired, right? Didn't quite have uh, that, that breakout offensive performance that we were waiting to see. And unfortunately for him, his skill set isn't one that really is able to thrive in summer league, right? Summer league is almost a bit of a pickup style. Guys are taking their turn, your turn, my turn, isolation. Um, guards really tend to thrive a lot in summer league. Guys who have the ability, uh, a lot of self-creation ability tend to thrive a lot. And so... There were those, there was a bit of that pause for concern where suddenly people were like, oh, well, if he's not hitting shots, what's what else is he doing offensively? And so that was unfortunate, but he also wasn't necessarily in the best position to thrive because he didn't have a ton of great creators on that Houston Rockets summer league team. Whereas in this game against the San Antonio Spurs on the way to the Rockets 30 plus point blowout of the Spurs Jabari Smith Jr. 21 points on eight of 15 shooting shot five of eight from behind the three point line also grabbed eight rebounds two assists. This was the ideal performance from Jabari Smith Jr. because you could see just how easily he is able to feast off of his teammates and opportunities created by his teammates. But not only that, opportunities that he created himself. Now, of his five three-pointers, he had one of those that he just dribbled into, basically like a heat check three-pointer, walked the ball up, and with all the utmost confidence in the world drained it from the behind the arc. So if he's able to do that consistently consistently and look fluid on the floor with the ball in his hands, creating his own shot, you know, the league needs to watch out, but he also was able to thrive off opportunities created by his teammates. Jalen green facilitated one of those three pointers in transition. Kevin Porter jr. Whipped a pass from across the court to Jabari Smith jr. In the corner, a pass that, Nobody should realistically be able to make, but uh, Jabari Smith Jr. spoke post game about it and said that he and KPJ made eye contact and KPJ saw him there in the corner and boom, one handed pass across the court. Jabari Smith Jr. elevates, drills the three. Eric Gordon was able to facilitate a couple of those three pointers for Jabari Smith Jr. So having the ability to rely on some of his teammates that are able to create at a high level is important for him and for his game because that's where he's able to thrive. He is a premier or going to be a premier catch and shoot three point shooter at the NBA level. And this was just a brief glimpse into that. So anybody who had worries about Jabari Smith Jr.'s game after four, five summer league games, you, you can't, right? You got to take summer league with a bit of a grain of salt and you've got to take this preseason game with a bit of a grain of salt, but Hey, the three point shot looked pure. It looked good. And I'd say it's 
a pro probably a safe bet to bank on that shot looking better most nights uh, th than it will look bad most nights moving forward if you're the Houston Rockets. Now, the other guy who stood out during this Houston Rockets preseason game was none other than Tari Eason, fellow Houston Rockets rookie, drafted 17th overall. Tari looked incredible in this game. Off the bench, he finished with 21 points, 10 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals. He had a block, just 1 turnover, 9 of 13 shooting, 1 of 2 from behind the 3-point line. Tari Eason was a menace, and the Spurs had absolutely zero answer for him. So not only was he a disruptive force defensively in tandem with Jabari Smith Jr., we'll talk about the Rockets' defense in a second, but offensively, he just put his head down and got to the rim, and there was nobody on the Spurs team that could stop him. Now, there was a bit of a concern coming out of the draft, right, that maybe at times... Tari could be a bit tunnel visioned, you know, working to get to his spots, driving the ball in, that kind of thing, especially maybe in transition. But I haven't seen any of those pre-draft concerns through summer league games, now through one preseason game, through training camp. Tari's basketball IQ looks to be incredibly solid. His ability to get to his spots, his ability to drive the ball in and also kick the ball back out, right? If he drives it in and there's nothing there for him, he's able to make those, those reads and just be like, all right, well, there's three guys stacked up here in the paint against me. Let me kick it back out to the, to the, to the correct open man to generate a wide open shot. Uh, which is which is impressive, but his ability to finish when he does get to the rim again, nine of thirteen shooting on the interior. He was nine of eleven in the paint against the Spurs. He didn't take any mid-range shots. That's not his game. He either drives it into the hole or he shoots from beyond the arc. That's his game. Uh, it was impressive to see him continue his display. He was selected to the All-NBA Summer League team, and for good reason. He had an impressive Summer League. It was great to see him kind of continue that display, that performance against the San Antonio Spurs. Again, on the way to an absolute blowout against the Spurs. And and you do have to say, right, um, right? what's the difference about this Rockets year's team versus last year's team? Rockets were the worst team in the NBA two seasons in a row. They could potentially be passing that mantle to the San Antonio Spurs, right? The Spurs tore it down. They are completely rebuilding now. So maybe you take it with a grain of salt, this game, the blowout. The Rockets aren't going to be coming out, blowing out teams every other night. That's that's not how this is going to work whatsoever. But what they are going to be is they're going to be a competitive team, a team that nobody else wants to play against. That's the kind of message that head coach Steven Silas sent during media day. That's the message that a lot of the players sent. They don't have any preconceived notions about, you know, being a play in team or fighting, you know, for a playoff spot. No, no, nobody's expecting that. What they, the expectations they have set for themselves though, are to be a competitive team, to be the team that nobody else wants to play against. And, so far through, you know, one preseason game through training camp, again, you've got to wait and see how this plays out against the other preseason matches that they have as we head into the early part of the regular season. Can they stick true to that, that statement? Can they be the team that nobody wants to play against? Right now, it does feel like they have a completely different identity than last season. And can they continue to build on that identity is the big question mark. Last thing here, uh, Rockets backup center, kind of an afterthought in a trade last season to acquire Dennis Schroeder from the Boston Celtics, sending out uh, veteran center Daniel Tice. 
Bruno Fernando was signed to an Exhibit 10 deal. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. It sounded like he was going to probably be the Rockets' secondary two-way player for much of the much of training camp. And then out of nowhere, signs a four-year, $10 million deal that was announced just before tip-off against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, apparently, per a, a source that was reported by another Houston Rockets media member, Adam Spillane, Bruno Fernando has looked phenomenal during training camp. Uh, we got a few chime-ins uh, while I was I was down in training camp covering it for the Houston Rockets, and we got a few chime-ins about Bruno. But this kind of came out of left field. The you know the four-year deal, and he was solid in this game for the Houston Rockets. Double-check his stat line, make sure I got it. eight points, uh, three rebounds, one assist. Nothing that jumps off the page, but there was one thing, right, that doesn't kind of stand out in the box score that stood out uh, was the fact that, A, he was the backup center directly off the bench, so ahead in the center rotation of anybody else on the Houston Rockets roster. And then secondly, his interior defensive presence is a bit different than their starting center Alper and Shingun in that he has an interior defensive presence. Uh, and then offensively, he gives this Houston Rockets team a bit of a different look because he's able to play above the rim. He's able to use his athleticism and really play that above the rim role. He's able to run well in transition. And that gives the Houston Rockets a different look than Alper and Shingun, who is effectively kind of their, almost their hub offensively, right? With so many of the actions running through him when he is on the floor, he sets so many screens. He gets the passes on the short roll. He's kind of the decision maker within the Rockets offense, kind of like a mini Jokic, if you will, within the Rockets offensive scheme. And so for Bruno Fernando to be able to just check in and be that kind of maybe not a safety valve, but be that that, you know, offensive option where he's able to roll hard to the rim, play above the rim, use his athleticism, finish hard on rolls, that kind of thing for ball handlers like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. It, it helps out the offense a ton and things looked really fluid when he was on the floor. Uh, in addition to when his, his you know, the starting center, Alper and Shingun were, was on the floor. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of navigate his role moving forward. Is he now the de facto backup center for this Houston Rockets team? Of course, I'll have you covered for all of that, as well as Jabari Smith Jr.'s continued growth and performance throughout his rookie campaign over at Locked On Rockets. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. <laughs>